0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in the book of Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. The title of the sermon is, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Here's the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. He also made the mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits was its length, and a cubit a, a, a half its width. He made two cherubim of beaten gold. He made them of one piece, and at the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherubim at the one, one end on this side, and the other cherubim at the end on, on that side, and he made the cherubim at the two ends of the one piece with the mercy seat and the cherubim spread out their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings they faced one another their faces of the cherubim were towards the mercy seat now you you may that may be familiar to you if you ever saw indiana jones that's that's where you see that what what we just were listening to this on the way here with sandy adams what went inside the ark the The law the 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 tablets the Word of God. What happens when they opened it? They died. They died. There's also a heavenly ark in heaven. A heavenly ark in heaven. So there's one here on earth. And then one in heaven. Revelation 11:19 says, The temple of God was opened in heaven. And the ark of His covenant was seen in His temple. And there was lightnings, noises, thunders, an earthquake, and great hail. So we have four arks. And it's important for us to understand, like, when we look at these, the, even the one, the temple on the earth, and then we have the one, the temple in the heaven, it's, it is the ark of God's covenant. And the symbol of God's presence to his people. And so when we see the vision of the ark would have uh, for, for just in, in Revelation, it's, it, it's encouraging God's people. The mercy seat. God wants to continue to, I mean, grant mercy. At some point, he could have already said, that's it, we're done. Because if you look at the things that are happening today with the violence and the corruption, men and women that have evil continually on their minds, it's no different than the time that Jesus said, remember the days of Noah. We see that today. And so as we look at that today, it's a reminder to us that that Jesus is going to return. He's gonna return. The ark should be a reminder to you that, that he is returning. You can look at the sign of the times and tell when you look at the Ezekiel War, you look at all the parties that have increased in the region. As Russia has gotten more power, and China is stirring the pot, and Iran and Syria are working together. This thing's coming to an end. And Jesus is coming back. And and You know, at at the end of the day, it's a reminder. The ark is a reminder to us because it relates to Christ. That's our safety, right? That's our safety. How when we look at Noah's ark, it's related to Jesus. And so we know the story is even confirmed by Jesus. So if anybody says there was no, it's just a, a local flood or it's not. Because Jesus confirms it in Matthew chapter 24 verses 37 and 38. He says, but as the, the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. It was still party time. But we see that the, the days are, are characterized there as the, the apostasy and the anarchy and the ungodly philosophies that are being pushed today in our world. And we know that, that one of those things that was said in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of his thoughts, of his heart, was evil continually. The wickedness had reached a level where God judged the earth. To the point where he says in in Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's grace. The same grace that's provided to you, but from the Savior. It's the same grace that we have as the picture of the ark is a picture of Jesus. You see, the ark's security, as we talked about it, is made out of gopher wood. They make rooms in the ark, and they cover it in, it, it inside and outside. The gopher wood is, a, is cypress, which will not rot, and pitch is tar. And usually the word for pitch, this word is translated in the rest of the Bible as atonement. The water was God's judgment and not one drop could come through. Christ is the atonement for our sin and no judgment can get you. Meaning that if you've confessed your sin and you've asked Christ into your heart and you believe in the resurrection, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you're His. You're protected just like Noah and his family was in the ark. The ark was sufficient. You look at the way that it was built and the rooms of the ark and the shape of the ark, and, and, and it was stern. It almost looked like a giant coffin going through the water. But the ark had nourishment. And you shall take of yourself all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 21. God took care of every one of their needs for Noah and the family. And when you come to Jesus, Jesus is our shelter and our substance. Jesus is the only thing that satisfies. The ark had a schedule. We'll look at that in Genesis chapter 8. And the ark rested in the seventh month and the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Arat. You might blow past that, but when the ark arrived, having been steered by God with no rudder, there's nothing to steer the ark. The seventh month on the Jewish calendar was April, the time of Passover. When Jesus came out of the grave and the flood waters of God's wrath upon the cross, that grace provides salvation. That's why we have a Savior. We're going to be going over that again this week as we look at Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. But as we read those those verses, that you've been saved by grace through faith and not of your good works. Grace means that, that God has saved us apart from any effort of our own. When the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your household, Noah had to take a step through with faith. Noah didn't do any any good works. Noah was uh, uh, trusting in God. Noah had no way of controlling that boat. It was all the grace of God that kept him and his family safe. It's that same grace that provides security for us. God didn't say, Noah, go into the ark. He said, come. Meaning God was in the ark. God was in the ark. And in Christ, you are as safe as you can possibly be. You have the, the Holy Spirit that resides in you. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Come and follow me. God shut the water out. And then God shut Noah in. And God shut the door. And Noah, have, Noah knowing that, that him and his family was taken care of because he trusted God. And Jesus said in, in John chapter 10, verse 28, I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall they never snatch them out of my hand. Just as Noah, when the door is shut, they're safe. The ark is a representation of Jesus Christ because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. When God sees you, he sees his son. And sadly, the first time that the world was destroyed, it was destroyed by water. The next time the world is destroyed, it'll be by fire. The world that existed perished being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment. And we know that from reading Second Peter, that he's long suffering, that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but turn to repentance. But he will deal with this earth. In second Peter chapter three, verses eleven and twelve it says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? Holy in conduct and godliness. Looking for a hasting the, the coming of the day of God. Because which the heavens will be dissolved. Being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Everything that we see will be burned up. Judgment's coming. And you better have an ark. And that ark is Jesus Christ. So when we see this in, the, in these verses. Jesus is, It's a reminder that the ark is a type of Christ. As we study the Bible. In verse 5 of Genesis 7 it says, And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. And God is, is letting him know here. There, there are some things that are happening here in order. Noah and his family were to enter the ark and then clean. They'd have the, the clean and the unclean animals would enter. And after seven more days, God would begin to send the rain on the earth. And that's the mercy that he gives. And then the rain would endure continuously for 40 days and 40 nights until the, every living thing on the face of the land was dead. There are a couple of things if you study um, numerical ideal. You know, the, like the number seven is complete. And, and when you see that, you have a seven-day week, but God gives mercy for seven days here. You're supposed to do what with the land? It was supposed to rest, right? Um, after a 7 period. And, and so there are little things in there. When God granted the, the Israelites a period of 490 years, it was seven, 70 times 7. They made the mistake. They, they failed to give the land rest on the sabbatical year of 7, the seventh year. You also see the number 40. A lot of things that that wrap into that too as well. How many, you know, how many years did the Israelites wander the, the desert? Forty years. How many days was Jesus tempted? Forty. Man, God is a, a god of order. When you start studying this stuff, it's like man, God, it's a god of order. the, the Bible is like this is, that kind of stuff to me. It just it blows me away. Because it's just a reminder how God is in the details of even in the context of Scripture. He gives them that seven-day period. But he tells Noah, you remain in the ark. And Noah did what? He was obedient. He didn't go, hey, let me go see if it's raining. Let me go tell the people, hey, come on. It's time. He was obedient and did what God told him. It says now, in verse 6, now was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. And the word there, yidas um, in Hebrew, actually means the whole earth. Okay, that's what the word in Hebrew means. It means the whole earth, as opposed to part of the earth. And so, some people will say it's a localized flood. So, let me give you a couple reasons why it's not a localized flood. These are arguments that you can give if somebody questions or has has any questions about it. The death of the flood. The flood waters were, went to fifteen cubits above the, the tops of the mountains. We know that. We'll look at that as we go into verse twenty next next week. And so we know that the, the ark sank in the water half its height. And so that it could not float freely over the highest mountain tops. So Mount Arat where where the ark landed is at seventeen thousand feet high. And that's at the Mesopotamian Basin. And so if the waters covered the mountain alone, it could not have been a local flood. It just, it just can't be. The duration of the flood. With this amount of water over a long period of time would produce no local flood. A slow rate of decline for the water levels is, is cited, but it, 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 it cannot happen in a local flood. The need for the ark. If it was a local flood, why wouldn't the family just move? They had 120 years just to migrate somewhere else, right? They could have just went to another dry area. You have the, the question of universality. The expressions certainly indicate that the flood water was universal. And Peter's statement uh, that we see indicates that the flood water was a worldwide catastrophe. In Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3-7... through 7, Knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to, the, to their own lust, and saying, What is the promise of his coming? For since the, the fathers fell asleep, all the things continue as they were from, uh, from beginning of creation. For this they will willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, but which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. So it's confirmed. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. I think this is very important. If you're studying uh, end times, Noah is very important to end times. Extremely important. You can look at the things that were happening in the days of Noah, and you can compare them to today. And, and we think, for whatever reason, that there's not going to be judgment. I don't know what's what's wrong with us. There's going to be judgment. If God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, you don't think God's going to start judging these nations? It's, it's happening already. We see it. And 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 the reality of it is, is just a, an understanding that... that there's another judgment coming of fire and destruction. In Second Peter 3.12, it, it talks about that fervent heat. The elements will melt. That's why when we talk about being rapture ready, are, are, you, are you in the ark? Because there's, a, there's this other thing coming. The world's going to be judged again. And that's why it's important for us to understand, are you in the ark? Jesus Christ, that's our ark today. That's who we put our faith in. That's who we trust. Again, you have the testimony of Christ. That's an argument for the flood. In Luke 17, uh, verses 27, They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and a flood came and destroyed them all. Everyone. Destroyed them all. That, That means, for all men on earth have been touched by the flood. Not just these people over here, everyone. You know, the saddest thing is the Pope actually says there's going to be another great flood, which tells you the Pope does not read the Word of God because God said he would never flood the earth like that again. But the, but the reason why the Pope puts that out is because he's trying to support the, you know, the, the uh, green energy stuff. And it's funny because when they talk about a flood, I don't know why people who know there's a flood coming would keep buying houses on the beach. The Obamas, the Schumers, the Pelosi's, they all have houses right on the beach. If it's going to flood, why would you buy Like you know this is going to happen. It hasn't happened in years. They've been saying it and saying that the science doesn't back it up. God's not going to flood the earth again. The fact that the Pope would even say something like that. It's like, read your Bible. It's in Scripture. We're seeing a great apostasy happening. And I'm going to talk about that this weekend. Saw something this week. It just blew my mind for Easter service. And, and it's like we can see it. Like this great falling away. It's sad. And we don't think that God's not going to judge. We have the promise of God in Genesis nine eleven. Thus I will establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all the flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Give that to the Pope. Because he's leading people astray for an agenda. Everybody's moving into this one world order. And it's sad to see that the the actual people that are supposed to be teaching the word of God to people are not doing it. We have the ancient records as well. When you look at the ancient records... The Egyptians, the Babylonians, and the Sumerians all had a universal flood recorded of their ancient people. They all had it. So, it's not just something in the Bible. So, next week, what we're going to do is we're actually going to... I'm going to go over some evidence. And I'll probably... I need to set, I need to make sure we have a TV set up next week. We'll see how it goes next week because we have all those assemblies. <laughs> so, I don't want to want to say too much i want to do it but i want to make sure we kind of show you some of the video evidence um because it's there and it's sad when when you have science that backs it up but the scientists don't want to back it because they have an agenda and it's happening a lot i mean there was those two guys that were on joe rogan had no agenda at all they just presented the geological evidence and they presented it on the show and 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 even at that point, Joe asked the question. I watched this little clip. You can find it on YouTube. And Joe asked the question. If, if, if we have the physical evidence that proves of a global flood, why would they not accept that and change the way the books are written? Because it, it's one thing that, that they don't want. They don't want the Bible proven. They don't want any evidence that God's word is true. And it has to be accepted. And so what they do is the money that's given to them from different organizations, they continue the lie of Darwinism and all the other mess that's out there. And yet there's physical evidence. Physical evidence of be young earth. They found jellyfish that still have, you know, we talked about the cartilage. The jellyfish still had cells. They would be, that doesn't happen over 42 million years. Cartilage in a dinosaur don't happen over 42 million years. It's a young earth, but you have guys like Bill Nye, the science guy, that's over there lying to our kids. It's sad. It's very important when we talk about the flood that we talk about. It. It's a real thing that happened in real place during a real time. Do you, I mean, when you just think about Methuselah and what that name meant, do you not think that God's not in the details? God's very much in the detail. Methuselah's name means his death will bring it. He's bringing judgment. And yet the thing that we need to get from this is, is simply, simply that we keep our eye on the ball, which is, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And I pray that's you tonight. Uh, if you're struggling with something or you're struggling with trying to, to follow what God's calling you to do, then just lay it to rest. And follow God. Just follow God. I, I, I mean, I, you know, when we look at these men in the Bible and, and women of the Bible, it's important for us to understand they're just people like us. And yet they just trusted God. Were they perfect? No. No. I mean, when we get to know little drunken mess, you'll see that they're not perfect. But we have the grace of God. And, and thank the Lord Jesus is a type of the ark. And we need to trust that and be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We do pray. Uh, just we thank you that we can come before you. And, and I pray for our country. Uh, I see a lot of things that, that are when I read the Bible, when I read um, in Timothy about the great apostasy and people will be lovers of self, and lovers of money, we, we see it. We, we, when we look at Noah, we can see that, that we're coming to a place where this earth is going to be judged again. And that we need to be ready. It's a very narrow road. That, that Only eight souls. And we talked about it. It was over six billion, around six billion people they estimated. Eight people. The wide road must be really wide. And so, Lord, let us, let us keep our eyes on you. Let us keep our hearts following you. Lord, if we fall, help us up. If we sin, let us confess it. We thank you that your, your grace and your mercies are new every morning. Let us walk in those. Let us walk in obedience and application. Let us not be uh, pulled away from you by this world. Let us stay in your word. Lord, let us stay in the ark with you, trusting you that you would guide our lives, guide it to where it needs to go. Guide our marriages. Guide our families. I mean, think about it. There's no wheel in the ark. Are you, or would you be willing to trust God that much to go, you know what, Lord, I'm coming in. You direct my steps. Is that you tonight? Because that's what Noah did. Lord, we thank you so much for this church. We do pray and ask that you just continue to be with us. Continue to guide and direct our lives. That we would walk in obedience and application of your word. And when we struggle with that, Lord, help us. And we thank you, Lord. I thank you for, our, again, just the events that are going to be happening on Monday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Lord. We pray for that. Um, we, we pray. I know that there are going to be kids that, man, they need you. That's all they need is you. And I pray that they would hear that message and that their hearts would change and they would start following after you. And then when we start making disciples, that we would see a great awakening in Divine, in Natalia, in Lytle, and then throughout the state of Texas and throughout this nation, and then throughout the world. Lord, we pray for that great awakening, but it starts with revival with us. Thank you so much for tonight. We pray and we ask these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.